looks like it's on. And um, yeah, welcome. I um, an interesting word that Paul shared and uh, Lorraine, because God knows where we are and where we're at. And uh, the title of my message is "Where do you come from?" So um, I think we're on the same page that uh, God knows where we are and He knows where we've come from. And uh, I just I've asked a couple of people if they would um, just I've just got a few questions. People that have that are here in the church that have come from originally from different countries and nationalities and uh, I've asked Ed and Josephine would you guys like to just come up here just really simple questions and um, I haven't uh, Martius I haven't asked you but maybe you'd like to come up too and we've got somebody that's been around this part of the earth for a while and, and Josh is a good one for that do you reckon you just I'll just ask a few questions and um, this won't take long, but maybe we'll, maybe we'll start with Matthias. Look, <laughs> that's fair enough, yeah. So there's lots of reasons we can see where we've come from different areas and whether we're here, but, but we're here. And uh, it's great to have, be in a church with so many, and there's, there's other nationalities and people have come from other places. It's, just, it's great to realise that we've all come together for the one one purpose today worship God and connect in that way thanks thanks guys and uh, I'll let you go now but if you notice one thing um, their accent sort of gave them away and you might always interpret sort of where they come from but he you know even Josh if he was in America they'd say you've come from Australia and so and that's one of the reasons I like to talk to them all as as part of their accent because my first point is to determine where we've come from, we always carry an accent that reveals something of our past. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks, guys. Now, now we also know a little bit more about some of us, and um, I want to talk about um, four things that have, that identify either where we've come from or where we're going. And those four things are, firstly, our accent gives us away. Our walk, the way we walk, gives us away. Our feet, our feet tell us a little bit of where we come from, particularly the mud that's on your boots. And our aroma, and uh, those of you who have worked in a pig farm or a dairy farm or a sheep, your aroma can tell you where you've been. We're going to look at those four things. But firstly our accent, our speech, and what comes out of our mouth. And uh, it often gives us away, as not only to our country of origin, but it also tells us sometimes the people we spend time with, our jargon. And um, sometimes it can alienate us, actually, if we don't watch our jargon. Our Christian jargon can sometimes alienate us because it's like we're off another planet when we're talking to people in the rest of the world. And um, things like that. So... uh, our jargon or our speech can also um, tell where we've come from. But it's interesting in... Um, i better use my clicker here or I'll get ahead of myself. Oh, I've got two microphones, right. <laughs> Habit. Thanks, Mandy. And um, the scripture there says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each other. You know, 
the accent of a Christian should be one of grace. The scripture tells us quite clearly that our speech should be of grace. People should know we are Christians because of grace. We all want grace towards us, but we need to show grace towards others as well, each other, because none of us are perfect. We all need that grace. And a great example was Jesus. And Jesus, when he had the woman, woman that had been caught committing adultery, caught in the act of committing adultery, and the Pharisees were there stoning her. And the penalty under the, uh, the old law was they had to be put to death if they were committing adultery. And um, they didn't seem to stone the guys, but they stoned the women for some reason. And um, they, they thought they'd trap Jesus and they thought they'd try him up. And if anybody had the right to point the finger or to judge, it would be Jesus. He was perfect. And so after they, he'd said to them, well, that who is without sin can cast the first stone. And then he sat down and he just scribbled in the ground. And some people say that he was uh, writing their sins in the ground so that they all left because they could see that he knew a bit about them. And others said, well, he was just filling in time till they, till they woke up. But either way, one by one, they all left because none of them really had the qualifications to point the finger. Only Jesus did. And he said, where are, where, where are they? Do any of these condemn you? And she said, no, they've all gone. And he said, well, neither do I. So if Jesus wasn't going to condemn anybody, what right have we got? But he seasoned it with salt. He didn't say, well, it's okay, you can keep committing adultery. He didn't judge her. He said he wasn't going to condemn her. But he said, don't do it again. He said, go and don't keep doing it. So he wasn't sort of saying, well, it doesn't matter. He wasn't sort of changing the morality. He was just saying he had no right. Or he had the right, but he wasn't going to. And they had no right to be pointing the finger. So that is what grace, that's what our speech should always be with grace. We shouldn't be condemning each other. We shouldn't be picking on each other because we don't have the right to. And... um, and often Christians, sadly, get accused of, by the world of being judgmental. Now, I happen to know that the world's probably more judgmental, but that's not the point. Our language, our accent should be one of grace when we're talking to people. And um, it's interesting how that, that can, you know, it's not just the big things in life. It can be simply critical, being a critical spirit. Always think, you didn't do that right, you didn't do that right. And always looking for... The negative well that's not a conversation of grace it's being picky it's a critical spirit and we can all get caught up in that some people seem to just naturally look for faults because they have to be perfect so they're looking for faults and uh, so we've got to watch that critical spirit that we have a spirit of grace we've received a spirit of grace and let's exhibit that spirit towards others and um The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's our accent. It shows what's in our heart. It shows shows where where we're coming from. Probably missed a few scriptures here. No, there we are. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, but sits 
or sits in the seat of mockers or scoffers as some translation. Scoffing and mocking can be an accent that's not of us. The scripture says it's, it's a, detri- a detrimental trait to have is to be always mocking or scoffing or looking down your nose at somebody else. It's not one of grace. One of grace overlooks people's faults and looks for their goodness. So our accent of a Christian uh, should be one of grace. There's, James tells us there's great power in the tongue and the negative and positive effects that can have. James 3.5, likewise your tongue's a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small bark. And so the words we say can be really healing or they can be really condemning. They can really burn someone up and destroy what we're trying to do. So our speech, our accent should mark us as Christians of where we've come from. The world should be able to look at us immediately and know we're Christians because we bless people, we encourage people, we don't condemn them and we show them grace. So grace must be always on our tongues. And, uh, and we read on in James, the tongue's also a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body and it corrupts the whole person. So the things we say and the things we talk about can be quite destructive. So it's another reason why our accent should always be positive and the things we do should be building people up. If we always look to build people up, then that will show on our accent. That will identify us as Christians. And so let's remember that to watch our accent because it tells the story of where we're from. We know Matus is from Switzerland because of his accent. But there's where we're from in terms of our faith and our, our eternal home in terms of belonging to God should be evident with our accent and be one of grace. The fourth one is our walk. Our walk tells us a lot. The scripture tells us we walk by faith and not by sight. That should be a mark of the Christian is the walk of faith and not by sight. There's a lot of things that that are easy if it's if you can see them. Um, this we often base things on, on the five senses and uh, we often focus on outward circumstances and yet God will tell us something to the contrary. I remember the other day just reading a report and this guy was quite negative that oh, we were heading for a recession, the bubble was going to burst, we're in deep weeds, you know, the economy was going to crash. And all of a sudden I started thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't be growing so many plants. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And suddenly I realised, am I listening to some negative report or am I listening to what God's saying? Now God can tell us there's a flood coming too. But on the other hand, let's be careful that we're not just listening to our senses. Let's be listening with the Spirit. And, um, because that's, where faith, that's what walking in faith is. Faith is, is uh, walking with what God's told us. Scripture tells us without faith we cannot please him. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, we can't please God. Without faith, we actually can't know God if we just keep looking at outward signs. And so faith is an integral part of how we do anything. And uh, my coach always says, how you do anything is how you do everything. And it's in those little things that we need to 
um, expand it to the rest of what we do. The man who doubts is condemned by what he eats because eating is not of faith. For everything that he does does not come from faith, is sin. Now there's a challenge. If you don't do it in faith, if you don't do it trusting God, it's a sin. That's a bit scary. If you rely totally on your senses and without hearing from God. And um, that which is not of faith is sin. Faith comes from hearing the message or hearing the word of God. And that's why we need to, it's, it's a choice to believe it or a choice not to believe it. And that should mark, our walk in faith should mark us apart as Christians. Without Christ, without following Christ, we can't have that walk in faith. That should set us apart from everybody everybody that's calling gloom and doom, everybody that's panicking because of climate change or anything else that's out there. Whether it's there or whether it's not is not the point. The point is whether we're trusting God. And uh, that should mark us separate as Christians as to our trust in God. Galatians 5.16, I say, live by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. If we live by the Spirit, we, it's another scripture says, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We need to be led by God. Our walk must be of faith. And, um, and that, will, that will be another trait that identifies us along with, um, along with our, our speech. The other thing is, the third thing that identifies us is our feet. Our feet identify us because we're not just talkers, but we're doers. We do stuff. We need to be doers of the word. And um, you can fairly quickly realise that, you know, if, you've, if I've been out planting trees and I've got gumboots on and I come back and I'm, they're all muddy, you immediately know you haven't been just walking down the street. Your feet, the dirt on your feet can tell you where you've been. In fact, you could probably analyse it and you know exactly where you've been if you, were, if you wanted to get um, scientific about it. But the scripture here tells us that how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace, that bring glad tidings and good news. They're not too beautiful if they bring in bad news, but if they bring in good news. And it should be bringing good news should be another trait that identifies where we've come from or who we've been with. It should be the gospel. It should be good news about what God's got for us and his plan for us. So it's our feet that... Um, feet that tell us quite a bit the bearer of negative news is never never really a blessing and um, unless it comes in a in a positive way I suppose you can always have a positive twist on it if you're helping people but Jesus said if anyone is not welcome does not welcome you or listen to your words shake the dust off your feet when you leave the home of town. You know, there's a lot of dust on our feet we have to shake off. We often let rejection hold us down. Jesus was talking about the disciples going into a town that were getting rejected. He's basically saying, don't let it worry you. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. I wonder if there's dust on our feet from where we've been that we're hanging on to. The dust on your feet represents where we've been 
and where we've been rejected, there might be stuff in our lives that we're hanging on to that are holding us back from God's blessings. Stuff in our lives that we just keep going over in our heads. Stuff that's there that we need to shake it off. It might be stuff that we were taught as kids that just doesn't make sense. We might have been told we're idiots or we're stupid. Whatever form of rejection it is, it's causing us to reject ourselves. And Jesus is saying, shake it off. Shake the dust off your feet when you get rejected and move on. Move on to the things that God has got. Move on to the next town or the next whatever he's got for you and just shake that dust off. The dust on your feet, if you hang on to it, can tell the story of where you've been and maybe all the challenges you've been through, but we need to let it go and move on because God is a positive God. He's, he's got good stuff for us, but we can't carry that dust onto the next town. We've got to shake it off. And that's exactly what he told the, the disciples, to shake off that dust of rejection. And, um, and he also tells us that if, to let our, our feet be fitted with the readiness, the shoes that are readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The shoes make us ready. Our feet make us ready to move on. And where we're moving and what our feet are doing tell us a lot about who we are and where we've come from. If we're staying in that one spot, we need to shake it off, but we also need to be moving on. And um, Brothers, do not consider yourself yet to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward to what is ahead. Over and over again, Scripture tells us, don't hang on to the past, but move to what is ahead to um, keep moving on, to have that goal for what God's got for us. And um, a press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. And um, so don't let things slow us down of where we've been. Just, and some of them are painful and for some reason we, we might need you know, prayer to get over things, but we, God wants us to keep moving, to keep moving into those positive things. And... Um, and just shake it off. Don't let those past failures hold us back. The only past, I read the other day, the only power the past has is the power that you give it. It's a choice. The, power, the past has no power over you unless you give it that power. So we need to, we need to um, keep our eye focused on what God's got for us. The other thing that tells us where we have been or where we are is the aroma and uh, like I said, if you, you know, I used to be dagging sheep. And in fact, you don't have to do much work with sheep before you smell like one. Even worse if you smell like they're dags. And um, I always just have, I, I'll only, I might only be just, I've only got a handful of sheep now. So you, I'll be out there and I'll just be working with them. But I've got to change when I, and shower when I come inside for two reasons. One is Mandy will tell me to. But... <laughs> But the other reason you just take that aroma with you, wherever you go. And um, Mattis had identified that with the piggery. I noticed Mattis has got his little room outside the house where he takes off his overalls and showers and gets, he leaves that aroma behind him. And uh, if you have a sniff around Mattis today, you'll know he doesn't smell like a piggery. <laughs> and, uh, but that aroma can tell a story, can tell you where you've been. And uh, maybe it tells you if you haven't been having a shower. But, um, 
But it, the scripture talks about that aroma too. And um, it says, for we are to be God's, the, are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. I love that word being saved because there's a lot of people out there who are being saved. God's working on them. We don't know who they are, but they're the ones that are attracted by that aroma, the aroma of Christ. And it doesn't always have to be things that we actually say to them or twist their arm or anything else. They are being drawn by the very spirit that's in our lives. And we need confidence in that. We need to realise that wherever we go, that, um, that we can be that influence just by the power of the Holy Spirit. And providing those other things are in place, our speech is one of grace, and um, our feet are bringing the good news, and our walk is one of faith, then we will have the aroma of Christ. And, um, and that will help those who are being saved. And, you know, it's interesting that in Matthew, Jesus gave the parable of, of um, the, it was referring to the Jews, but he said the people that were invited to the wedding feast didn't come. So he sent the disciples out into the streets, into the highways and byways. And to me that speaks of where our ministry really is. There's not many, most of the people in the church are probably saved. There's always some being saved, fantastic, they will come in that way. But they're out there, they're not in the church. And that's where our aroma will have effect, it's through our work, through our businesses, through where we work every day, through the factories we work in, talking to people in coffee shops, that's where our aroma will start to connect with those who are being saved. And um, sometimes we overcomplicate evangelism and it makes it sound all scary. Well, we actually just have to exhibit those things that people can identify with, uh, those four things, and that aroma will come through. That fragrance, and uh, people will be drawn to it uh, and not repelled by it because it's an aroma, it's a fragrance, it's something that's attractive. There will be some people, and some uh, translations it talks about it will be the smell of death to those who are perishing. And you come across those sort of people sometimes that just react to you, that just, they're quite antagonistic, especially if you mention anything Christian. They just can't hack it because they're actually not being saved. They're actually heading the other way. Sometimes they're being saved and God is challenging them so they react. But there are some people that just don't want to be around Christians and don't want to have anything to do with it. We can't do anything about it. We just have to accept they don't like our aroma and we leave them for God to sort out. But don't be upset if people don't find that aroma attractive. It's not our fault if we are doing the right thing by God. There's always going to be somebody that will, you know, the scriptures tell us that the road to salvation is narrow. Most of the people are on the broader one. So let's not be put off by the fact that some are not attracted to that aroma. So how can we be identified? How can we be identified? 
The scriptures say they'll know we are Christians by our love and our love shows in our speech, our walk, by our feet and by our aroma. Those four things can tell where we've come from and where we're going. And Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was talking about, I believe, bringing heaven to earth through those four things, through our speech, through our walk, through our feet, and through our aroma. We're bringing heaven to earth and um, bringing his kingdom come. And um, it's shown through the fruits of the Spirit, which is grace, love, joy, peace, patience, and and all those things. It is found through those sort of things. We need to exhibit that in our everyday walk and not dissension or envy or jealousy or division or criticism or pride. They start to become obvious, the things that depict where we've come from. Unfortunately, now and then we seem to pick up one of those negative things. It's like we've been around the wrong people or we've been, we've been in the wrong place. That's easy. We just need to confess it and move on. Shake it off and move on. And uh, that's what grace is all about. And uh, it releases us. And we need to release others. We need not be critical and picky. We need to accept that, you know, we're imperfect vessels. But that's who God's chosen to work through, each and every one of us. So... um, so let's just uh, leave it with God unless if there's stuff we need to shake off, if there's stuff we need to identify and uh, latch a hold of and develop, let's do that. So let's, I'll just pray and um, then we'll hand back over to the, to the band. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just pray that uh, we would be easily recognised because of where we're going and where we're from. And Lord, those traits of our our accent and our walk and the the dust on our feet. Lord, all these things would uh, depict where we've been and may they honour you, Lord. May that aroma just pervade where we go so people that are being saved, that you have marked for the book of life, will be drawn, will be drawn by that aroma and you will give us that chance to just share something of your great love, your great grace. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ben. And if anybody would like prayer for anything to feel free to come up when we're singing.